Hey everyone, welcome to episode 26 of The Daily Churn. Today is going to be a recap of all the things I churned in May. And May, I think, may have actually turned out to be the biggest month that I've had so far with churning, at least since I started tracking this stuff on a podcast. And uh, yeah, it was a little bit of everything, really. There's some credit cards that came through. There is a bunch of bank bonuses that came through, which for the last few months, I've been sort of planting the seeds for a bunch of bank accounts. And so I guess May was kind of the harvesting season for, for all of those bank bonuses. So that was pretty nice. There was also, let's see, bonuses from brokerages, some stablecoin, crypto stuff, a whole bunch of meal kits, really went ham on meal kits in May. And uh, yeah, through Rakuten and stuff and also got some cash back from the Rakuten beef frugal type portals, got a cell phone referral bonus. Yeah, all the things basically, which added up to be a whole lot of bonuses posting in May. And I think bank bonuses definitely carried the team here, but just to change it up a bit, let's start with credit cards this time. So on the credit card side of things, my P2 had opened a Chase Inc. Unlimited because she'd started a new business. And every time we start a new business, we use that as an opportunity to cycle through a bunch of new Chase Inc. cards, which technically I don't think you need to actually use a new EIN each time to get a new bonus. I think the Chase Inc. cards are just churnable on the same EIN or SSN. But just to kind of stay on Chase's good side, we try not to cycle them too much on one single EIN and kind of keep it unique to each business. So one business, we'd open up a Chase Inc. Unlimited, a Chase Inc. Cash, a Chase Inc. Preferred, and then move on to the next business. And we haven't run out of businesses yet to do that. But another option is with your same business, you could just keep opening these Chase Inc. cards by closing one, waiting a bit, then opening another one because there isn't a lifetime bonus language on these ink cards. But the way we tend to do it is just to have one type of Chase Inc. card per business and the Chase Inc. Unlimited card that I'd opened for my P2 a few months ago, the bonus posted, which was 75,000 ultimate reward points for spending $7,500. So I think everyone's pretty familiar with that one. Plus we got another 6,000 points from just the spend. Plus someone joined using a referral, which was another 20,000 ultimate reward points. The Chase referrals right now are actually all really good. I think they upped them all to be 20,000 points per referral. And I think that applies to both the Inc. business cards as well as the Sapphire cards. And I think even the Hyatt card is giving 20,000 points and the Southwest cards. So I'm not sure exactly when they upped it. I think it used to be just 5,000. And so all in all with the 75,000 plus 6,000 spend plus 20,000 from the referral, ended up posting 106,000 chase points in May, which is pretty nice. I mean, that is probably at minimum, if you were just to cash it out at 1.5 cents per point, that's like $1,500 worth of, of points. But we tend to use them for things like Hyatt stays. And when you use them for things like Hyatt stays, where you transfer it to Hyatt, you, you can easily get three, four, five, six, seven cents per point. And so the upper cap of that value is really a lot higher for us. Sadly, I'm currently over 524, but sometime in June, I think I dropped back down to 424. So the plan at that point is to have my P2 refer me to one of the Chase Inc. cards. Then once I have my Chase Inc. opened, my plan is then to refer my wife to the Chase Inc. cash because she just opened the Inc. Unlimited and net myself another 20,000 referral that way. And then she gets to 75,000. Yeah, it's sort of a really lucrative thing if you have a P1, P2, where it's this just like Chase Inc. referral or Boris that continues, you know, indefinitely. Then I also got a Capital One referral from someone, I think from the podcast. So whoever that was, appreciate you. It was 25,000 points, which in Capital One's world is just $250 of cashback. You can transfer to travel partners. I tend to just use Capital One points for cashback on your statement. And in this case, I used that 250 towards like a rental car that I'd booked on National. If you're not familiar with National, definitely recommend checking the episode on National Car Rental because those codes are still alive and kicking, at least some of them. But anyways, once we got home and the charge posted onto Capital One, I just used the points and immediately wiped it off with cash back. And so ended up being free in the end. 
Finally, on the credit card side of things, there was this US Bank Altitude Connect card, which I think launched about a year ago. And the annual fee and stuff just posted. And so I was in the process of downgrading that card to a fee-free card. And that Altitude Connect has an interesting thing where it gives you a $30 streaming credit after 11 consecutive months where you charge a streaming service on that card. And it's a confusing credit because the $30 isn't like a credit off of another streaming charge. They just give you that $30. So even if you were only charging, let's say, $5 a month using Apple Music for 11 months, at the end of those 11 months, they'll give you a full $30. So for us, we were charging Spotify, which is like $16 or $17 a month for a family plan. And at the end, it was also still the $30 streaming credit. So yeah, I got a free $30 for just charging Spotify to the card. So that was nice. Then just before recording this podcast, I called in to downgrade that connect to the US Bank Altitude Go card, which is the fee-free one. And even the Go card gives you a $15 streaming credit. So it's no annual fee. And if you charge 11 months of a streaming service on the 12th month, they'll give you a $15 streaming credit. And that's every single year. And so I think I'll probably just keep the Go card around and keep Spotify on it because essentially is a free month of Spotify. The sort of annoying thing with US Bank and a couple of data points on Doctive Credit actually recently sort of confirmed this, which is when you call in after your annual fee posts and you ask to downgrade or cancel and you ask, hey, will you guys be refunding my $95 annual fee? It seems their agents now, at least the first line of agents, have been trained to say, no, we will request a annual fee refund for you. And so my follow-up question was immediately, are these requests to have the annual fee usually approved? And my agent replied back saying, I can't tell you if they're going to be approved or not, which is very counter to everything about annual fee refunds, especially with US Bank. If you just Google it, all the results say that within 30 days, that $95 fee will be refunded. And so now I think they've made it a manual request process instead of it being an automatic fee refund. So you do have to remember to request it. And unfortunately, the frontline agents at US Bank haven't really been trained to, I guess, communicate that it's a request for the fee refund, but the refund will definitely go through. It's not like, hey, you may or may not have your request approved because I then escalated to a manager and the manager is like, oh, yeah, I just need to request it and you'll see that credit in 30 days. But the language of a request makes it feel like, hey, maybe I will or won't get it. And so I think they are trying to move away from giving it to you automatically. And yeah, this I think is in line with some of the data points on Doctor of Credit where people are like, my agent told me that I wouldn't get this fee refunded. And then they had to escalate. And then the manager who actually knows and probably has better training is then able to confirm that you will get the fee refund. So that was just an extra, you know, 10, 15 minutes that you didn't used to have to do. But overall, I think it's still worth it to open this card because this US Bank Altitude Connect card, the offer is still around. And I think it's actually gotten better from when I first applied because you get 50,000 US Bank points for spending $2,000, which as a bonus, that's really good because 50,000 US Bank points is equivalent to $500 of cash back. So you spend $2,000 and you get $500 cash back. That's like a 25% cashback rate from your signup bonus, which is super high. For example, the Chase Inc. Unlimited that I opened was 75,000 points for $7,500 of spend, which is like a, a 10% cashback rate. But with US Bank, it's just a straight 25%. And on top of that, you get the $30 of streaming credit. And that annual fee, it's $95, but it's waived the first year. And you downgrade after it posts after the first year into the Go card which gives you that $15 worth of streaming credit. So overall, the whole process from start to finish is actually a pretty lucrative card that you'll probably end up just keeping around to have one of your streaming services charged to. So yeah, I'll post a link on my site to the, the offer and the DOC thread. And yeah, it's definitely kind of a, a sleeper card. Like there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of fanfare around it. I'm not even sure where it ranks on DOC's list of best credit cards, but it really is a pretty amazing bonus when you factor in how little spend you need to get that $500.
So summing all of those cards up, it was the 106,000 ultimate reward points from the Chase Inc. Unlimited card, 25,000 Capital One points from the referral, plus $30 of US Bank streaming credit, plus I had like $10 of stray US Bank reward points that I cashed out through PayPal right before I downgraded. So all in all, pretty good month for credit cards. Next up, we have banks. And yeah, as I mentioned in the beginning, banks, it was really sort of a big churn harvest this month in May where a lot of these posted. And I even managed to sprinkle in some planting and prep for future bank bonuses. So let's start with the Wells Fargo one. And Wells Fargo, if you remember from the last recap, was the one where they were offering a $1,500 bonus to open a business checking account with them. Unfortunately, that offer died like within a day of it being posted, but everyone who got in and got an offer code was still able to open one of these accounts. And so I'd gotten a code for my wife and I'd gotten a code for myself and we went into a branch uh, in May and opened our accounts. And the nice part with Wells Fargo, at least for us, was that it was way easier than Chase for opening a business bank account. There was no IRS business codes needed that you have to look up. They didn't really ask even what our businesses did. We did have to bring in our business registration with the state, but otherwise it was pretty basic and only took like 20 minutes for each of our business accounts. Then on top of that, during the application process for both myself and P2, we were both pre-approved for a Wells Fargo business card. And the card offer we got, which I think is pretty consistent with other data points on DOC, was for $300 of cash back for spending $3,000. There's no annual fee on the card. And the best part is that because it happened during your business checking opening, we were pre-approved for it without a hard pull. So while that sign-up bonus isn't the most amazing sign-up bonus, the fact that there was no hard pull needed and that it's a business card, which means it doesn't show up on your credit report, which means it doesn't impact your 524 status with Chase, meant that it's kind of a no-brainer to just get it. There's literally no negative consequences to opening the card. So if you feel like you can meet $3,000 pretty easily, then there's no reason not to get it during that application process. And so we both got that card and it was perfect timing for me because I was over 524 and I was waiting to get under 524 and I didn't want to open new personal cards or do a bunch of hard pulls before I opened my chase cards. And so this perfectly solved that situation. So I think we got lucky there. But just something to keep in mind when you open an account at Wells Fargo in branch that they may offer you pre-approved ones. And my knee-jerk reaction when the banker said, hey, I see there's a credit card offer. Do you want to hear more about it? I immediately said no, because that's just my natural reaction to like people giving me offers unsolicited. And then I took a second to think about it. And I was like, wait, I think he said it was a pre-approved offer. Wait, that's a good thing. Hey, could we actually go back and look at that offer again? And, and it turned out to be the right choice. One thing, though, that did happen that was unique to us and why our like one hour trip turned into a four hour trip at Wells Fargo was that I guess after the whole Wells Fargo scandal thing, you know, where they were making fake accounts for people, they're really enforcing now only one account per social security number. And when I say accounts, I mean online profile account in their system, not like one bank account, but like one person profile account. So even if you have a Wells Fargo mortgage or if you have a Wells Fargo checking or a business checking, it's only one profile in the back end that's linked to your SSN. And this turned out to really be an issue for us because my wife had a Wells Fargo mortgage from like five, six years ago. And that was a separate profile, separate online login to her Wells Fargo bank. And apparently that's not allowed anymore. And our banker was then having trouble getting us access to the business online accounts because it kept throwing errors that this person has more than one profile and it wouldn't let him proceed. And then he proceeded to call Wells Fargo. And sadly, Wells Fargo bankers seem like they get access to the same kind of agents we get on the phone when we call Wells Fargo. Like they don't have a special dedicated line. He was literally going through a phone tree and getting these agents that had no idea how to do any of this stuff. So we sat with him 
and watched him talk to five or six different agents, hang up, call again, ask for supervisors, get hung up on by the supervisors, call back again over the course of two hours. And it was pretty ridiculous to sort of experience that in real time where like your banker at Wells Fargo, who's an employee, is getting treated just as badly as you when you try and call one of these bank customer service things. Like I'm amazed they don't have a dedicated team of agents just for their bankers who are more experienced and know how to do these things because no one knew how to merge these two accounts. Finally, after like three hours on the phone, someone was able to figure out how to do it and we were able to merge those accounts. So this probably won't happen to any of you guys, but just thought I'd share because we've been having pretty bad luck with all of these business accounts. Like with Chase ended up being probably like six hours invested total to open our Chase business accounts, even though it worked out in the end. Same with Wells Fargo now, it was also like four plus hours. But on the plus side, we did open both of our business checking accounts. I also managed to have my account fixed for my personal Wells Fargo checking account that I covered in the previous recap for April, where they'd sent me a letter saying they were going to close my accounts unless I went into a branch and physically gave them my driver's license. So we did that too. Then my credit card didn't show up on my profile for some reason. So then I had to call, but that was a quick and easy fix. So all in all, a lot of headaches, but I think it was overall worth it because we're going to get in the next few months, $3,000 between P2 and I for opening our business accounts. And we only had to deposit $5,000 to do that. And then we'll get the $600 worth of credit card bonuses from the two credit cards we opened. Plus, I'm going to get my $300 Wells Fargo personal checking bonus for a total of $3,900 from Wells Fargo for opening a total of five accounts. So yeah, I think like $4,000 is probably worth four hours of work. So I'm definitely not complaining because it ended up being a pretty lucrative thing. And quickly too, you know, thanks for everyone who responded on the previous recap with feedback on the deal alerts that I was thinking about doing. Specifically like Wells Fargo, I think would have been a great one to just blast out a deal alert being like, hey guys, get that promo code now before it dies. Uh, it's still something I'm figuring out exactly how to do. So stay tuned and hopefully we'll see that happen in the near future. And since we're already kind of on the topic of business checking accounts, I also have a to do for this month to open another Chase business checking account for the $750 bonus. And if you recall, this was one that Chase had offered sometime, I think it was last year, but back then it was deposit $10,000 and do 25 transactions. Now it's deposit $20,000, but only do five transactions. So my P2 had done that $750 bonus for her business last year. And now I have to just go in and do that process for my new business that I opened, which I just started a business for this podcast as just like a single member LLC. And my thought was like, you know, people set up businesses for gambling, like profits and losses funnel through your gambling business. I'm like, why not set up a business for churning so that my churning bonuses are treated as business income? And that's beneficial for a variety of reasons, particularly if you're doing the fire thing. So I won't bore you guys with all the tax stuff in this episode. But if you guys are interested in, in tax things like setting up single member LLCs, sole proprietors, why it's beneficial tax wise to do that for potentially your churning activities. Um, yeah, I, I could maybe do a, a dedicated episode on that in the future. But TLDR is I, I just set up a churning company. And the nice part with single member LLCs is they're treated as sole proprietors for taxation purposes, if you want them to be. But the downside of that is that with Chase, you can't open these business checking accounts for a sole proprietor or single member LLC online you'll get an error message and you have to go into the branch, which kind of sucks. And so I'm sort of bracing myself for like a one, two hour process where I will need to provide these various things like IRS codes and stuff that um, Wells Fargo doesn't seem to care about. So anyways, that's on my list of to-dos for June. So just, you know, planting more of these bank bonus seeds to harvest later. And uh, yeah, if you're interested, I'll post the link to that too. You do have to enter your email to generate the offer code, but I don't think there's any risk of Chase pulling the offer early. Like they're not Wells Fargo. I think only Wells Fargo 
makes the kind of mistakes where they're like, oh crap, we sent out too many offer codes. Chase has done this many times and they are uh, more of a legit company. So I don't think there's any risk of this offer disappearing before the expiration date. But it is a pretty good offer. And uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it if you're in the market for a business checking account and you don't have one with Chase yet. Because I think with Chase, you can only get that bonus once every two years. And I'm not super clear if that two-year time frame is per business or per like you as a person. If anyone knows, definitely leave a comment because that's something I've been trying to figure out too in terms of just how churnable this is if you were to open more businesses. Then with Chase, I did have a bonus actually post, which is the Chase personal checking bonus. So I'd referred my P2. I got $50 from referring her and she got $225 for the bonus. So $275 total for her opening a personal checking account, which isn't the best it's ever been. I think Chase at one point was up to like four, five, six hundred dollars for opening like a checking and savings, but still not bad for a pretty minimal amount of effort. You just had to direct deposit. into the account. The tricky thing with Chase is that I think some of the data points on what works for that direct deposit are pretty outdated because when I was reading the DOC thread, it seemed like pretty much anything would work. Like you transfer $25 in from Ally or you use like an Astra. So in my case, I tried Astra with payroll and direct deposit in the descriptions so that it potentially would show up as a real direct deposit. But sadly, Chase just classified that transaction as other. So Astra didn't actually work for Chase. Ultimately, what ended up working is one of the new employer direct deposit simulation tools that I've been testing out for the next episode, which is Melio. So M-E-L-I-O. So that was tagged as an ACH credit. And then my P2's bonus posted within a week or so of that $25 from Melio transferring in. So I won't get too deep on Melio and employer dark deposits now. That will be part of the very next episode I do. So that's going to be a pretty interesting one because I'm trying out quite a few different services and um, having mixed results with, with each of them. So yeah, if employer dark deposits are giving you a headache, definitely keep an eye out for the next episode because we're going to cover a variety of different options. All right, so moving on, we've got more bank accounts. So Albert, which was one that I was really not enjoying for the last few recaps because Albert's been pretty shady. But one interesting thing that's started happening in May is that their bonuses are actually being posted. So in May, my $150 sign-up bonus posted for myself and my P2's sign-up bonus also posted. So that was $300 there. Then I got $150 for referring my P2. Then a couple of folks joined using my referral back when I posted my referral link on DOC. And so it ended up being $750 from Albert in May, which is like a massive amount for like a fintech app-based bank. But ultimately, I still just really hate Albert or just how they've been handling everything. And I think how they handle things is reflective of them and their culture as a company, right? And so the big thing was they'd up that referral bonus to $500. And of course, everyone flipped out because $500 for signing up and referring someone is massive. But at the same time as them doing that, they hid the page that shows you who you referred and the status of that referral. Because before they had a nice little page that literally said who had joined using a referral, I think it even showed their username and the progress of like, have they completed the requirements for you to get the referral because you have to do like three direct deposits and spend $100 every month for three months. So a whole bunch of things you have to do. They just decided to completely hide that page. And on top of that, the referral system is super buggy, whether by intent or just by like poor design. It seems like it's a 50-50 on whether or not when you use the referral link, the referral offer would actually attach correctly to your account. So then you have to contact Albert, but then they were being super reluctant to confirm anything and requesting that you needed the referrer's email address, full name and phone number in order to even see if you have a referral offer attached to your account. The whole thing was just a pretty big mess and it felt like their reps were kind of going out of their way to not be helpful especially when what would have really helped was just not hiding the referral link page that showed the status of your referrals. 
then on top of that, they had these really intensive requirements that ended up being extremely confusing. And what I mean by that is they had a requirement where you needed to receive a real direct deposit every month for three months and also make $100 in debit purchases every month for three months. However, their reps started communicating two versions of the rules. One version is that three-month timer starts from your first direct deposit. The other version has that timer starting from when your account is approved. And so that's a big difference because if your account's approved on June 1st, but you don't receive your first direct deposit until, let's say, June 15th, when does the timer actually start? Because that really affects when you need to receive your second direct deposit by because they want it every 30 days. So if your second direct deposit came in on July 7th, did you qualify or not? Because if they used June 1st, your approval date as the 30-day timer, then you're fine. If they used June 15th, the day when you received your first dark deposit as the start of the 30-day timer, then July 7th is still part of that 30 days. So it wouldn't be a second dark deposit on July 7th. You need to wait until after July 15th. So anyways, long story short is their reps also didn't seem to know and here's the super curious thing, which is my P2 ended up receiving her signup bonus outside of both versions of those 30-day rules. Like she'd received her three direct deposits and spent $100 three times. But due to a mistake on my end when I was scheduling the direct deposits, her direct deposits did not arrive 30 days apart regardless of whether they started the timer on the day the account was approved or even if they started the timer on the day the first direct deposit hit. So she hadn't qualified no matter which way you interpreted the rules, but she still got the $150 signup bonus. So I think my guess is that they are actually being super relaxed on the rules, which is a good thing. Like, I think they may just be seeing if you receive three real direct deposits and spend $100 three times. And even if you're not in that three times every 30 day time frame, they're giving you the bonus anyway, maybe because they recognize that it's like super confusing and their reps have been telling people two different versions. So anyways, it worked out in the end, but man, it has been a headache dealing with Albert. And uh, I think the $500 referral links have now died. You can check DOC to be sure, but at least for myself and P2, our referrals are both down to $150. Uh, if you want to try Albert, I'll post my P2's referral link on the dailychurnpodcast.com and let me know how it goes. But yeah, it's definitely been one of the most like miscommunicated bonuses ever, but at least they are posting them, which is good. Moving along, next up we have SoFi. And SoFi had also gotten a lot of hype because they were giving out $300 bonuses for signing up for their new checking and saving account. And on top of that, you could stack it with 175 bucks from Swagbucks. So almost like $500 for opening a SoFi account, which is pretty good. But the issue for a lot of us was that we had opened a SoFi money account like a year or two ago and gotten the bonus from that. And there's a lot of questions surrounding if I had a SoFi money account, can I still now get the bonus for a SoFi checking and savings account? So for me in P2, it ended up being sort of a, a partial success, partial fail kind of thing. So what ended up happening was right after I posted my April recap last month, where I was like, I don't think these SoFi bonuses are going to post for us. My $300 actually did post from SoFi. And I was dubious because the method I used was that I'd closed my SoFi money account and immediately, like within a few minutes, reopened a new SoFi checking and savings account. And I was dubious because it was the same login. Like I didn't even have to make a new SoFi profile. I literally just closed one account and immediately opened the new product under my main login. And so I didn't think that would work, but it did. I got $300 from SoFi. However, I'd also clicked through Swagbucks and Swagbucks didn't track at all. Like there was no pending icon. It never posted. And so now my sort of guess is that when you do the close reopen method, chances are the Swagbucks aren't going to track even though you click through from the Swagbucks link. But then to add some more interesting data points, my P2 did the other method, which is that she also had a SoFi money account and we'd both received that bonus 
for receiving a direct deposit a couple years ago, she, instead of closing and reopening a new checking and saving account, she did the upgrade method where you can just upgrade your money account into a checking and savings account. And what's interesting here is that when the upgrade went through, in her transaction history, you could actually see all of the old SoFi money transactions and she did not get the $300 SoFi bonus. So my theory there is that when you close and reopen, it wipes out the history because it is a new type of account and you get the bonus because you haven't received a direct deposit before. When you do the upgrade method, because it retains all of the old history, it knows that you'd received a bonus before for receiving a direct deposit before. So that's my theory for why she didn't receive a $300 bonus. But she did receive $175 from Swagbucks. Like it went into pending and then it just automatically posted. So it seems that with the close and reopen method, you can more reliably get the $300 from SoFi because it wipes out your old transaction history, but less reliable for actually getting your Swagbucks. Whereas for whatever reason, the upgrade method seems more reliable for getting the Swagbucks but less likely to actually get the bonus from SoFi. So kind of a pro and con with each approach. Obviously, $300 is more than $175. So I think if you currently have a SoFi money account and you want to try for this bonus, I would probably do the close and reopen method and still click through via Swagbucks because you never know. Maybe you'll get lucky and it'll post, but chances are you'll just get the $300 from SoFi. Most ideally is if you're actually just a new customer to SoFi and you haven't opened a SoFi money account before, then you can get both the Swagbucks and the $300. And this deal is still alive. So I'll post a link to it on the site. And definitely if you haven't done it yet, or if you have a money account and you weren't sure which method to do, worth giving it a go. But just keep in mind that from the latest comments, it sounds like Astra and Wise are no longer working to trigger the employer direct deposit requirement. So the annoying thing with SoFi is that they want to see a $5,000 real direct deposit from an employer in order to get the bonus. And SoFi is actually quite strict on what counts as an employer. But for a while there, Astra and Wise were both working because with Astra and Wise, you can put in your own custom description and you can put in keywords that would trigger SoFi to think that it's a direct deposit, but it sounds like they no longer work as of like a few days or a week ago. But what was working for me was actually Melio. It was treated as a real direct deposit from an employer on SoFi. So I don't know if Melio has also died, but as of mid-May, Melio was working. So that might be worth a try. Square definitely works because Square does create real employer payroll, as would any of the other legit payroll providers. And so again, stay tuned for the next episode where I'll be going pretty in depth into all of those. But yeah, next up we have Fairwinds and Fairwinds did not end up working for P2 after all. So just an update on that. So with P1 myself, I'd used Google Pay to trigger the bonus and it had worked. And I'd also used Google Pay to try and trigger P2's bonus, but it didn't work for P2 which kind of sucked because then I also lost out on the referral bonus for referring P2 and P2 didn't get the sign up bonus. So I don't know if they just shut down Google Pay working or if it was some fluke that Google Pay didn't work for P2, but I would probably, if you're doing Fairwinds, try something other than Google Pay at this point because yeah, P2 applied after me and it did not work for her. We did get $500 of credit card spend on it because Fairwinds lets you fund an account with a credit card up to $500. So it wasn't like a total loss, but a little disappointing not to get uh, the extra bonuses. There was also Service Credit Union, which was a $100 bonus for just opening the accounts. You didn't have to do anything. There were no requirements. So that was nice, but it took forever to get approved. Like it took more than a month for me to get approved. And by the time I was approved, it had taken so long that the $100 bonus had already expired. So I missed out on being able to like refer my P2 and then my P2 getting a bonus. So that was also a bit disappointing, but I did get $100 from Service Credit Union that posted in May. Then there was Chime, Chime, the app bank. 
that posted in May for P2. There was the $100 sign-up bonus for her, and then I got $100 for referring her. And we'd used the workaround trick that I had posted about last month, where you could both get the referral and also stack it with swag bucks or my points. And so we're waiting on her my points to see if that will post, but it's showing up as pending, I think, on her account. So I'm optimistic that it, it will post. It will just take a couple months. And the my points for me had posted smoothly back in April. So I'm pretty optimistic this whole thing will work, that the stack works. And so, yeah, if you haven't opened a Chime account yet, I'll link the technique again where you can stack both the referral and the bonus with my points or swag bucks. And once you stack all of those, it ends up being almost $500 for just opening an app bank and I think just doing one direct deposit. So super easy. And uh, we got $200 that posted in May and hopefully in the next month or two, $300 worth of my points will also post. Finally, we have Huntington and it was $1,000 for opening a business checking account with Huntington. So pretty massive bonus. The only requirement was to deposit $25,000 and you didn't have to keep the money in there. You could deposit and then transfer it right out. So that's what we did. We deposited, moved the money back out and about 90 days later in May, the $1,000 posted. And the nice part with Huntington too is that it seems like it's churnable every 12 months. So our plan is you have to keep the account open for six months and the account has a $30 monthly fee. But during those first three months, they don't charge the fee. So we haven't been charged any fees yet. And now that the bonus is posted, my plan is to call in because you do have to call in to downgrade the account to a free one and keep that open for three more months. Then after those three months have passed, call in again to close the account. And it sounds like from the data points I read, six months later, you can do the Huntington bonus all over again. And so it's really, I guess, the definition of churning. Very churnable once a year for a pretty massive bonus. I think it's down to $750 now instead of $1,000 for the bonus. But still, $750 without having to keep your money in there is pretty amazing. And uh, yeah, I will post the link to that. I believe it's still alive. And uh, if you haven't done it yet, give it a try. And it's a business checking account. So you do have to enter a bunch of stuff about your business. I remember the application being quite involved, but it didn't require us to go into any branch or anything, unlike Wells Fargo and Chase. So you can do the whole thing at home online. So yeah, that's a pretty good one. And that was the last bank bonus that we received in May. So tallying all of those bank bonuses up, we've got 275 from Chase, 750 from Albert. 475 from SoFi, 100 bucks from Service Credit Union, $200 from Chime, $1,000 from Huntington for a total of $2,800 in May just from bank bonuses, which is definitely the most in a month I've received so far in bank bonuses. And uh, yeah, really, really chuffed about that because, you know, kind of validates that the, the effort was worth it. And so, yeah, May was definitely harvest season and $2,800 is a pretty good harvest. Next up, we have brokerages and stablecoins. So the brokerage that I ended up opening in April actually was Fidelity because I was like doing taxes and I realized we qualify for a Roth and a regular IRA. So I opened those with Fidelity and Fidelity was and I think still is offering $100 for opening an investment account or a cash management account or an IRA or Roth IRA. Those all qualify. And you get a $100 bonus when you deposit $50 into one of those accounts. And it's super easy. You know, you just deposit 50 bucks and the bonus posts in a few weeks. So open it back in April and the bonuses posted in May. One for the Roth IRA, one for the regular IRA. So ended up getting $200 that way in May. There was also VARO, V-A-R-O, which was offering... 12,000 swag bucks, like 120 bucks for depositing $25. And Varo, I always get it confused. I have it currently under brokerages, but it might be a bank. But TLDR is you're not actually really going to use the accounts. You're just going to deposit $25 and get the swag bucks. And the nice part is the swag bucks or the my points, whatever you end up using, actually posts. Like their integration, the way Varo implemented it was exactly right because it posted automatically after just a couple weeks. And all the data points I've seen 
has been that Varo does post consistently and very smoothly without having to file a ticket or anything and just happens after a couple weeks of your deposit. So that was also the case for me and I got 120 bucks from Varo through Swagbucks. There's also Voyager, which is kind of like a, a crypto brokerage stablecoin place where you can park cash. I covered that pretty in depth in the previous episode on parking cash and, and why Voyager is a pretty great place to do that. Um, but I got a couple of referrals in May from Jeremy and another podcast listener. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. One thing to keep in mind with the Voyager referrals is the referrals used to post as Bitcoin. Now they post as VGX, which is Voyager's own coin. And so if you don't want to be gambling on crypto, I would definitely recommend just selling VGX. Or if you do want to gamble on crypto, VGX is not a bad one to gamble on. And the referral bonus, I think as of June 1st, just went up from $25 to $50 for both parties. So if you've been procrastinating on it, now is a pretty good time to join if you haven't already. But would definitely recommend checking out that Parking Cash episode if you're not sure about stable coins and crypto brokerages like Voyager. Um, it goes pretty in-depth into both Voyager as well as some of the other crypto options, as well as more traditional things like banks and I-bonds. So yeah, that's episode 25, and I will link to that episode as well in the show notes. All right, so tallying up all the brokerages, there's 200 from Fidelity, 120 from Varo via Swagbucks, and 50 bucks from the Voyager referrals for 370 total from brokerages in May. All right, moving right along. Next up, we have Cashback and Meal Kits through Rakuten. So I think May 9th, they were doing a ton of Meal Kit deals. And yeah, we went pretty hard on those. So let's start with Factor 75. I'd never actually even heard of Factor 75 until someone on Reddit sent me a tip about it on May 9th. So really appreciate that tip because it turned out to be a really good deal. It was $100 off of 18 meals as just a discount. Then Rakuten on top of that was offering another 70% back as cash back. And so it ended up being around $35 total for 18 meals and the way they count meals is a little confusing when they say meals they really mean servings so 18 meals is really actually like nine dinners whereas for example blue apron or HelloFresh usually get three or four dinners so this was more than double what you usually get at those other meal kits and was only 35 dollars for nine of these dinners or 18 meals so really really amazing deal couple issues with the company though was that you had to manually contact them via their chat in order to skip the first week, which is what we wanted to do because we already had a bunch of other meal kits coming. So there's no way to skip that first week online. You have to contact them. But once you do, you can set your start date to any date that you want. And their UI kind of reminds me of Green Chef. Like it looks a lot like Green Chef. So I do wonder if maybe they're the same company because with Factor 75, their whole thing is healthy, ready-made meals. So these aren't even really like meal kits in the sense that you have to prepare things. They're already pre-prepared and then shipped to you. You just have to heat it up. And they're supposed to be more geared towards like the healthier variety, similar to Green Chef, which is more focused towards like vegetarian and vegan food. But yeah, overall, I'm pretty excited to try them out. I did it for both myself and P2. And so between us, we've got 36 meals or 18 dinners coming from Factor 75. Then there was also Gobble through Rakuten was offering a pretty good deal. And we'd done Gobble before, both myself and P2, but we just signed up for Gobble again using a new set of emails. And that's one of the nice things with Rakuten is that Rakuten doesn't try and match your Rakuten email with the email that you use to sign up for whichever service or company that you're joining for the cashback. Whereas like Swagbucks and MyPoints, they do match your email. So if you like sign up for Sunbasket on Swagbucks, you have to use the same email on Swagbucks as you used on Sunbasket. And it's like that for most of the Swagbucks MyPoints offers, which is not great for churnability, but Rakuten does not care because it's an extension and they're able to track you without the email. And the deal through Rakuten was essentially that you were getting $45 back from Rakuten and you could stack that with the offers on Gobble. And Gobble was running a deal where you could get three meals for $36. 
but then you get $45 back from Rakuten. So essentially you make eight or $9 by doing their meal kit. Plus you get your three free meals. And so that's what I signed up for as myself. And as I was doing P2s, I saw a comment on DOC where there was an even better coupon where you could get four meals on Gobble for $50. Then when you subtract the $45 from Rakuten, you only ended up paying $5 for four meals, which for me, I think is a better deal than like making $8 from Rakuten, but both sort of work. And so for P2, I ended up going with the four meals option. And so, yeah, we've got those scheduled. There's also a Blue Apron increased cashback offer on Rakuten during that same time. And I tried signing up with a new email address and Blue Apron actually, I don't know if this is a new thing, but they've implemented at least like a a little bit of detection as to whether or not you are currently an existing subscriber of Blue Apron with the same address. So I'd signed up using a new email, I'd entered my address and I got an error message saying that this address currently has an existing subscription. But I think the workaround to that though is just to cancel the account and then wait a little bit before you open another one because then you won't have an existing active subscription to that address anymore because the error message was pretty specific about the fact that I currently already had an active subscription to this address. So I think canceling and then waiting and then reopening should still work. In any case, I just ended up going into my existing Blue Apron and I saw that the second box discount was actually not bad. Like usually I will cancel the meal kit after the first box discount because the first box discount is usually the biggest. But in this case, it ended up being $36 for three meals for the second box, which is still quite good. I mean, it's right at the threshold of where I'd be like, is it actually worth it versus just cooking for yourself? But ended up keeping that. So we have a a second Blue Apron box coming in a few weeks. And the plan then after that second box comes is to actually cancel it because the third and fourth box discounts are basically meaningless. I think they're like five or ten dollars off per box. And then at that point, my hope is after that account's been fully canceled, we'll be able to sign up for Blue Apron again. Finally, with meal kits, there was Sunbasket and Sunbasket had sent me via email a new user offer where you get $50 off the first box. And I thought that sounded pretty good, but when I signed up with the new email and looked at the prices, they've really raised prices since I used Sunbasket. And we used to use Sunbasket quite heavily like last year, but now it seems each meal for two is over $20, like they're in the $25 range. And $50 off your first box includes the $9.99 shipping discount. So you're really only getting $40 off of your first box. So a little shady that they're treating it that way. And I think some basket must now just be in that phase where they're actually trying to make money from it, whether they're running out of VC funding or they're facing pressure from VCs to actually turn a profit. But we ended up doing it. It was $33 total for three meals. So again, kind of near that threshold of whether or not it's really worth it. But we got it mainly just for the diversity because some basket also has uh, a more of a focus towards healthier dishes. So it's nice to sort of just switch up the dish variety. Then in terms of actual money that we made in May from these cashback portals, Rakuten had a May 15th payout and I got $95 back that way from a daily harvest and a gobble, both of which are meal kits that we did back in, I think the February or March recaps. Then also got a $30 referral from someone joining in March. And a couple people actually joined in May as well, but Rakuten doesn't pay those out until August, so I won't count those until later. Then on P2's end, it was just the $68 from Rakuten, which was also for a gobble and a harvest. So we ended up getting $166 in Rakuten payouts in May. Then there was also a beef frugal payout that paid out in May and Beef frugal is sort of the uh, like ugly step cousin to Rakuten. Sometimes they have better cashback percentages, which is why we use them. But Rakuten is definitely our preferred one when the cashback amounts are similar because it's just a nicer platform. But I did get 25 bucks 
from Be Frugal, and that was just from random shopping things. Like I think I had a pair of sunglasses from iDictive, which if you don't use Slick Deals that much, you may not have heard of iDictive. If you do use Slick Deals, you're probably like, there's way too many iDictive deals being posted all the time. Um, but basically, iDictive has like a daily deal on sunglasses. So their inventory is really just overflow from other big brands. So you've got Ray-Ban, Gucci, Hugo Boss, like all of the fashion brands that you typically see for sunglasses, but they're severely discounted. Instead of it being, you know, three, $400 for a pair of Ferragamo sunglasses, they're selling it for $30, $40. But because they only post really one main deal a day, you do have to just check daily until you see a pair that you like. But they typically have a pair for men and a pair for women. And if you just spend like a couple weeks checking once a day, you're bound to find a pair that you like. So yeah, I like iDictive because I lose sunglasses like I lose chapstick. You know, they just randomly fall off my head or get destroyed or lost in the ocean or wherever. And I've since learned my lesson to not spend two, $300 on a pair of sunglasses I'm going to lose within a year. And iDictive is sort of a good in-between where you can still get like nice polarized sunglasses and stuff like that for a really good deal. So yeah, random plug for, for iDictive. They've been pretty smooth and easy to shop from. And let's see, some cash back from Embark, which is like a DNA test for our new puppy. Calvin Klein for some PJs. Yeah, just a bunch of random things like that that totaled to $25 from Be Frugal. So adding all the cashback stuff up, I won't count any of the meal kit things because even though I can see them in my Rakuten account, they won't get paid out till later. But I did get the 166 from Rakuten and 25 from Beefrugal for a total of 191 paid out in cashback. Finally, there was just a, a random bonus on the cell phone side of things from Visible. Visible was running this promo where if somebody joined using your referral during a specific date, I think it was like March 1st through March 14th or something, they would give you an extra $25 Amazon gift card. And so I'd kind of just forgotten about that until I got the email with an Amazon gift card code from Visible because I guess someone did join during that referral period. And yeah, it was just a nice free 25 bucks. So now I think we're ready for the final tally. This turned into a way longer episode than I thought it would, but I guess that makes sense because it was a pretty big month. So we had the $30 from credit cards, for that streaming credit, plus the 106,000 chase points, plus 25,000 Capital One points. Then on the bank side of things, it was $2,800 from all of those bank churns, $370 from brokerages, crypto, stable coins, $191 from cashback portals, the random $25 from Visible for a total of $3,416 in straight cash, plus the 100,000 chase points, which at minimum are worth like $1,500 to me, plus the 25,000 Capital One points that are worth $250. So yeah, I haven't compared this directly to the previous months. I should probably plug this all into a spreadsheet, but I, I think that is the biggest month I've had to date since starting this podcast last June or July. At least in terms of just the straight cash side of things, $3,400 is definitely the biggest cash bonus I've gotten in a single month. And then on top of that, we've got all the various points. So yeah, really, really big month. I mean, way more than tripled my goal of $1,000 a month. I think maybe the future months might be a bit slower now that I've cashed in the harvest, but I don't know. There's some pretty big bonuses pending for the later ones. So yeah, we'll see how June goes. But the other exciting thing for June is that I will be doing an episode dedicated just to employer direct deposits. And yeah, I'm pretty hyped about that episode because I've been testing out a couple other payroll services and it just takes time for like money to move from one place to another and collect the data point on whether it counted as a real dark deposit or not. And so it didn't quite make the cut for me, but I'm pretty much almost wrapped up on, on collecting the data. So I just got to record it now. And so we should see that in the next two, three weeks. So definitely keep an eye out for that one. And if you want to be notified when that episode comes out, be sure to sign up for the newsletter on the dailychurnpodcast.com, which will also send you all of the show notes and the links and all that good stuff. So check it out. There's also like a comment section on the website where you can ask questions and stuff. And 
My referral links are on there as well, so really appreciate it when you guys use those. But otherwise, thanks for listening, and I will catch you guys for the next episode. See ya.